So it's that time of year again. Obama's out with the summer playlist. It's Barack Obama Day. Does he do I a think, winter playlist? I think he does. He does two a year. Wow. And I mean, in the past, we've just kind of quickly glossed over them. I think it's worth talking about this, though, to contextualize it, though. Like in the in the past on this show, we have alleged we've made allegations that Obama does not come up with these playlists. And he talked to that guy, Hassan Minaj, who was like a late period, like Daily Show guy. He asked Obama if he actually makes his own selections. And Obama said, people seem to think, well, he must have had some 20 year old intern who was figuring out this latest cut. He said, continuing, no, man, cut. It's all on my iPod right now. His iPod. When was that? Or iPad. It's on his iPad. iPad. Okay. Which is still kind of funny to me. Even then, like, who's listening to music on their iPad? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's a little bit weird. Maybe it's connected to a Bose system or something. Like, I, I don't know. I hope he's just blasting it off of the built-in speaker on like a, on David Geffen's yacht. Yeah, he's the guy who's playing music out of his phone speaker on a boat. Yeah, and everyone else is just kind of glaring at him, but since he's the president, they're not going to do anything about it. Former president. He's the type of guy that takes pictures with his iPad. Oh, yeah, totally. Like I'm Taking a decide, selfie where like, you can't see your entire head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to decide if it's more or less pathetic for him to genuinely... Like, if he's genuinely taking the time to put these together, it's almost worse because it says that, like... I don't know if he was hiring someone to do this for them, then it, him, then it makes sense because it's just like trying to come up with a bland, inoffensive overview of a lot of different styles. Right. But if Obama actually behaves that way, it says something way more profound about him that he feels the need to put a burn a boy song next to the Bengals walk like an Egyptian on a playlist to show everyone that he's, he's like that, uh, he has that much breadth, you know, he is like a one man PR team. Like, if there yeah. was anyone in the world that would put together a playlist that looked exactly like it was focus grouped by a bunch of people, like, ages 25 to 34, totally. uh, it would be Barack Obama. But I it also, it's got some of that boomer energy to it, like that boomer pandering type of thing exactly, yeah. that I've talked about before, where I feel it working on me, where I recognize these Motown cuts, as he calls them, this old stuff, like... He puts uh, Nowhere to Run by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. That's one of my favorite songs. It's a great He's got song. Marvin Gaye, Ike and Tina Turner. Yeah, uh, Soul Survivor by the Rolling Stones. Uh, he Jackson puts Brown, Doctor My Eyes. That's a good song. Princess Diana by Ice Spice and Nicki Minaj. I don't know why you're listening to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> He's got some great ones on there, like River Deep, Mountain High. That's a great song. Another one of my favorites. Reach Out, I'll Be There by the Four Tops. That was one of That's the a good song. I think it was Chris Dodd that has it as a that had oh, it as yeah, a campaign we talked song. About that, yeah. <laughs> I can feel myself being pandered to when they talk about that stuff. But some of them are kind of uh, they seem completely arbitrary. Like Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. I don't understand how that's a summer song. Yeah, I think in general, there's a lot of things that seem arbitrary on here. I guess that's what I like. If he really is doing this himself. It just seems that he's like so reflexively cynical <laughs> that he's like not a he's not capable of being himself. You know what I mean? Like I would respect it more if it was just like 12 songs by Burna Boy and 21 Savage. Like this is what I'm listening to this summer. But instead, it's like so meticulously meant to appeal a little bit to everyone, but not really to anyone entirely. You know, 
Like Luke Combs' fast cars on there that we were talking about last week. Yeah, you don't actually like that. Yeah, he's just trying to seem like he has a very broad taste. It would, I think he's, it would be stuck funny. in campaign mode in his mind, you know? You're free, Obama. You can just put whatever. The funniest thing for him to do would be to go on Spotify and type in rap. And whatever yeah. the current <laughs> rap playlist is, he copies it exactly. Just rap caviar. Yeah, rap caviar, Obama style. And country caviar, oldies caviar. <laughs> he's got boy genius on there. See, that's how you know he's studious of what he's supposed to be liking, you know? Yeah, that's so. it's so pandering. Like, that's over. Yeah, like, if an intern was doing this, I would be like, oh, it's an intern doing this, and they're just trying to pander. But if Obama really is insistent that this is him, I just think it's so much more bleak for his own mindset. Of Like, why are you sitting on the yacht making this playlist? Why don't you enjoy yourself and do something fun? Boy Genius is a spring 2023 press cycle. You're behind. Well, if he only does two a year, you know, he's got to get those spring... PR side. That's half as much work as Weezer did. Yeah, true. I'm disappointed to not see anything from Weezer's uh, EPs on here. Yeah, put the entire summer EP on this. Yeah, put like Spin the Record or whatever the fuck that one was called. Another funny thing he could do would be putting in every song with summer in the title. So like Endless Summer, (laughs) uh, Boys of Summer, any summer song. Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer. It needs to be lower effort to be passable, I think. Yeah, because right agreed. now it's just, it's ridiculous. The level of effort is exactly wrong right now because he's putting in so much effort to make it have like a certain aesthetic and a certain appearance that either just say genuinely what you like the most or do something goofy like that, you know? Yeah, the way it is now, I just don't get who it's for. Like, are there it's people for, that haven't was, heard Walk Like an Egyptian? Is it, I don't think it's for people who are Burna Boy fans because there's only one of those in there and it's like, Number it kind 13. of is though, because uh, if you go to his post of this on Twitter, it does get to people where they're like, oh my God, he listened to Ice Spice. That's crazy. Like it is working. And like you were saying where you can feel yourself being pandered to, but you're like, oh no, I like that song. That's yeah, what I he like wants. That. Maybe he's actually cool. Yeah. Everyone to have one song on the list where they go, oh, okay. I like that one. Because Yo, to be fair, so chill. many of these are just like sort of clearly good songs. It's not like controversial to say oh marvin Gaye is good you know like so everyone's gonna find something and be like oh yeah he's right yeah sitting on the dock of the bay that's too far that's too yeah, much come on man you might as well put like bohemian rhapsody on there yeah just the most played songs of all time it's kind of wild that there's no taylor swift though he just went one level short of going that pandery yeah well it's because speak now the new edition isn't that good she doesn't have anything that's that good. And also, a lot of her recent output other than that has been positively autumnal. <laughs> so he would have to make an autumn playlist. That's true. I think... Uh, he really he should, should, because what else is he doing? He, he made that shitty Netflix in. show. He should go in on albums that aren't... If he didn't like the Speak Now remake, he should put it on his shit list for the summer. The summer shit list. <laughs> yeah, BTS. That would All be the a good most thing rabid to do. fan base is Beyonce, BTS... Yeah, just Kamala every Harris. single every single K-pop band, they're on the shit list. That would be so funny, like the songs he never wants to play anymore. Yeah. Like an extended <laughs> version of a No Stairway to Heaven sign. Oh, we can't forget to mention that he put Bob Dylan's Everything is Broken on here. And we're like, what the fuck is that? It's from his 1989 album, Oh Mercy. I think he got us with that one. He's more, he's more indie and obscure than us. He fucking got us. I thought he was black. You said he was Bob Indian. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's more Indian than us. 
Yeah, that kind of uh, it threw me a little bit because I didn't recognize the Bob Dylan song title. And I've dug into Bob Dylan. We've bug- dug into Bob Dylan so much on here compared to the average person. Like yeah. we know about his 70s albums up to like the the Bible trilogy he did. But Oh Mercy, the 1989 album. I had never heard that one at all. And I was listening to this song. It's called Everything is Broken. And it's okay. It's a 12-bar blues. It's rock-ish. It's uh, him going through the motions. I just don't know why you would pick this. It's because he's Obama. He's got to have a deep... He's going to give you the most obvious songs ever, like sitting on the dock of the bay, and you're like, come on. But then he's... It's literally right next to the Bob Dylan one on the playlist of this obscure Bob Dylan song that nobody listens to. Like, he knows what he's doing. Now I'm imagining a podcast that's Bob Dylan and Obama. Where it's Bob Dylan really in his good. Like, story song mode, like that JFK song. Where he's like, oh, one November day. <laughs> but then Obama's like, oh, yeah, that was very interesting. I think that would genuinely oh, be really good. Like, unlike the Obama Springsteen thing where they're both so willing to just like stroke each other over like Americana and what does fatherhood and faith mean to you and shit. Like Bob Dylan would not abide any of that and would just go on his own rants. It would be pretty good. Yeah, he's the type of person that's never been interviewed for like two hours on a radio show. Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> yeah, because he would probably say some insane shit. And that's why I want to hear it. Because yeah, Springsteen exactly. is so, like Springsteen is like a machine. He hasn't yeah. had like a, I don't think he's had a real opinion in decades. Because he he's just about a, one of the most towns. popular musicians in the world. And he goes it turns on tour. Out, uh, in the factory town, he's what they're making in the factory. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they shut down all the regular factories, but they started churning out guys. Yeah. Types of guys. Like Springsteen automatons. There's 200 of him performing all around the world at, in various cities at the same time. There were some funny replies to this. It's only blue checks with something that has yeah, this many so likes many. and retweets. You can't scroll down far enough that you don't see blue checks. Yeah. Which in a case like this is kind of funny because you get the dumbest replies. Like there's some guy that says Hotel California, the Eagles. Like he's just cool, throwing man. that to Obama. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll put that on the next one. Good recommendation. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. There's a guy who has his name is Tight Demon Seed, which that sounds very sexual. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that was meant to set, sound sexual. I hope so. It looks like an esports type of guy, but he says the lack of metal is appalling. Like why? Yeah, fuck you, Obama. Where's Chat Pile? Why would Obama put that on there? Then there's someone named Crypto Mom who says, so basically you don't listen to gospel music? That's the best music there is for your mind and soul. And like, what is that? You've got <laughs> what does that mean? Aretha Franklin, you've got Marvin Gaye, you've got all this shit, yeah, Otis Redding, Bob Dylan, Stevie Wonder, all these artists that have like cited gospel as an influence. There's it, an Indian guy so saying... Weird. Uh, Obama would love to see some hashtag Hindi hashtag Bollywood song s like song uh, parentheses s on your list. I yeah, that that would have been a very Obama move to put the song from RRR on there now. Oh, totally. I'm surprised he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like normally suggesting stuff like that to someone, like, well, you didn't have a well. India is one per or uh, one sixth of the population. You have to represent something from them. Normally, that would be really stupid, but for Obama. That is something that he would do. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And if he actually read his replies, which uh, I think he would kill himself if he did. Yeah. <laughs> this It's ridiculous the world you go into when you go to replies under something big when it's only blue checks. 
You yeah. can only see blue checks. So you bad. can't. You would have to like put a, a quarter in your keyboard to wedge down the end key to get to the bottom of the page, and uh, it's just um, yeah. Sure enough, there's a blue check guy being like, uh, just like a great playlist to eat a slice of pizza to. Am I right? It's like even even a uh, QAnon guys need to be. I don't over think Obama would participate in any of that on, stuff. Man. Honestly. You can tell that he's not uh, on adrenochrome because he looks much older in the last year or two. Like he's he's getting up. Yeah, there. he's aging at a normal pace. Yeah, someone needs to show him the the virtues of adrenochrome. Maybe David Geffen. I don't think Obama really has pleasures. He doesn't have vices. Yeah, like, I, he doesn't seem like a guy who would. Uh, is, his, is his vice? Yeah, he likes making a list of his favorite songs. He likes organizing his library. He likes sorting his Rolodex. God, this other fucking comment. Tupac Shakur missing on the list. First of all, he spelled it wrong. And then also it's on, he's on there. Fucking California love is on this list for some reason. It shouldn't be on there, but it is. Yeah, it's on there. Like he's not from California. I guess it's just that California, it's always summer in California. Yeah. It should be on the winter playlist too. Yeah. Year round. Same thing with sitting on the dock of the bay. San Francisco doesn't really have seasons, so it could be on any playlist. (laughs) I think you should only have East Coast uh, and Pacific Northwest songs on here. Pacific Northwest there's should be the um, fall playlist. There's a guy with a blue check who replies, that new Jason Aldean song is fire. And uh, it's setting fire to the nation right now. That's right. It's like uh, Tom McDonald or Buddy Brown was uh, an established artist. Yeah, but this is so much more mundane. But he is using the same playbook where I saw that on YouTube, it's the number one trending song. And it never would have been if he didn't provoke the most like predictable and boring backlash to making like an anti-protest song and conflating left-wing values with looting and just, just lazy stuff. Like, like you're saying that like buddy Brown we've talked about in the past is so much more aggressive about just like being like pro lynching in his lyrics where the Aldine thing, considering the other stuff we've listened to on the show, it just seems so mundane, you know? Yeah. It's very similar to stuff he's done in the past. I'm not yeah. sure why, it, why this is like, this is hitting when it didn't hit a couple of years ago because he had a song. So the name of this song is, uh, try that in a small town, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool. Well, act a fool. If you like cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road round here. We take care of our own. And, um, yeah, it's just saying, like, if you come to my small town, I'll shoot you. Because we don't do crimes in a small town. It's it's so, yeah, it is very mundane. Uh, he had a song in 2021 called Small Town Small. It's basically the same shit. Like, you know, to, to the folks who need the money but won't sell the family 40, keep telling that suit and tie no. To all them hidden country liners, little mom and pop diners, keep telling big money where to go. Remember God only made so much real estate. Tell the bank I'm going to take it to the grave. Like shit like that. Keep dragging that plow. Keep the blue on your collar. Like that doesn't have uh, quite so much uh, murder in it, but it is just uh, disgusting. Yeah, for sure. I th- it's worth taking the detour to Buddy Brown. This one, we listened to this one like a year or two ago, if this country still had balls. But to me, like this is so much more egregious and just uh, blatantly in favor of extrajudicial murder as a system. And it's just like against the rule of law of 
It's, he starts by describing, you know, there's a bad guy out there. Cops chase him around town for an hour or two. Go back home. He's on the evening news. They tell us it's all right. We've got him in custody. Well, maybe it's me, but I'm scratching my head, wondering why that SOB ain't dead. When everyone knows it's him, why should we wait? It's time we go back to hanging them a high. Let's light torches in the middle of the night. Somewhere along the way, we've gotten way too soft. We don't need a jury when we've seen what he's done. Just build the gallows and wait for the sun. It's just lit- It's just actually, it's explicitly pro-lynching. It doesn't even stop short at all. It's also contradictory because is it day or is it night? Are you doing a hanging or are you doing, uh, yeah. are, are you hanging someone from a tree or from a gallows? That's a good because point. Because they say- it Are we doing like, this clan clan style or sheriff style? It starts off clan style, but then it seems they wait. Okay, chronologically here, he says, let's light the torches in the middle of the night. So they're dragging him out of their home with like a vigilante group. Then they build the gallows, but then they wait for the sun. They don't kill him till the sun is up. Playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> then they get everyone out from the town and execute him publicly without a trial. Yeah, this one's definitely more egregious. My tax money pays for nice hot meals for a killer locked up making more appeals. So much disdain for civilization, period. Yeah, like the prison food they give people does not cost a lot of money. And they cut the costs all the time. Yeah, exactly. But it's just the fact that like anyone accused of a crime gets food. But then these are the same people that like when January 6th people go to prison... It's like they, they're realizing for the first time that it sucks. Yeah. It sucks to be in prison in America. Totally. And that they don't, they don't give you medicine. They don't give you food. They don't care what happens. They don't have air conditioning. They don't have heat. And there's no one you can call. There's no recourse for you. They realize that and they're like, oh shit, it's bad. But then uh, a lot of them forget right away. They go back to saying shit like this, like, yeah, anyone in prison, they should just be automatically killed because they were accused of something. Yeah. Or when Trump gets indicted, it's like, oh, actually, hold on about anyone who's accused of a crime. We should just kill them in the middle of the night. Let's put on the brakes. Pre, like right at the, you know, like when Glenn Beck became popular at the beginning of the first Obama uh, term. He was still doing stuff about how the U.S. healthcare system is broken, where he would film himself in bed in the hospital and be like an eight-year-old who's trying to stay home from school, being like, oh, my tummy hurts. Uh. But then once Obama tried to address healthcare, he did a 180, and he's like, we have the greatest system on earth, and we can't change it. Yeah, whatever works in the moment. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, but looking- it, it doesn't quite work for Buddy Brown. Because, like, one, he's not as established. He's not as well-known a name. Yeah, and two, exactly. he always looks like he's been crying. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks very wet and doe-eyed. He has, like, a, a Don Jr. quality to yeah, him. He has, like, a natural Instagram filter on his face at all times. He kind of um, seems like a closeted guy who would be married to a Christian female influencer. Yeah. <laughs> he just has that kind of energy. Like, there's a lot of pain it is hidden true. under his eyes. The only difference between him and Jason Aldean is he's just not popular enough to gin up enough outrage. But he... He is much more aggressive in his lyrics. The bridge of that song that we were we were just reading is, and I know every man can be redeemed, but if he don't choose to, well, we still better have plan B. Just start murdering people outside of any. Well, that's contradictory too. Yeah, exactly. It's because like the Christianity is so skinny. Wait for him like, to rehabilitate, and then if he doesn't, then, then we we'll kill him. So are him, we yeah. sending him to prison? Yeah, I don't think he knows what he means. I don't know. Like uh, he can be redeemed. But how's he going to, if he doesn't choose to be, re- like, what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> if he surrendered to the police, isn't, 
I, it doesn't even make sense, but you're yeah. not supposed to think about it that much. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> the Jason Aldean one is definitely less, uh, it's less encouraging of murder, at least in the lyrics. It only mentions a gun once. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. And also, uh, these are the same city. people that say, like, look how good uh, gun control is working in Chicago. Yeah. Even as they make they the point guns. that they'll, they'll make it easy to traffic guns in from their quote unquote small town. But he's from a city. He's from Macon, Georgia. A population yeah. over 150,000. Like, that's bigger than where I went to college. And I wouldn't say I went to college in a small town. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely bigger than where I grew up by a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the small town stuff, it uh, it doesn't really make sense. People aren't really better in small towns. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the social decay that these people hate when it's anyone who's non-white, uh, it's in those small towns for yeah. similar reasons. And the uh, the values that they have where it's like, oh... In a small town, we don't take no shit. We don't, we're gonna, we don't like no bullshit here. Like that hasn't prevented any of it. Like, yeah. People are still dying of, of drug overdoses all the time and the jobs are going away. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a very politically and, effective attitude. Yeah. It's, everyone everywhere has an attitude like that. Like in the city, people say, oh, I'm a New Yorker. I don't take shit from anybody. Yeah, exactly. It's I'm a New bullshit. York guy. You think you can tell me what to do? Completely devoid of shit like political that. content. Of course, everyone thinks of themselves that way. It's like puffing yourself up when you see a bear. Yeah. They're trying to look bigger. <laughs> but uh, what was really bad about this is that in the video, he showed a courthouse that was uh, the site of a lynching in 1927 in Columbia, Tennessee. And I'm not sure there isn't much of an explanation for this, really, uh, other than that they were trying to endorse lynching. Because yeah, like, he's not from Tennessee, he's from Georgia. Yeah, well, he does more than show it. Like, the whole, all the scenes with him in it are at that courthouse, like, in front of it. Um, but it's hard to know. Like, I certainly don't think he put a lot of thought into any of this. So it's clearly very possible that he didn't know. But yeah, at the I'm same not sure time, how much thought he puts into his lyrics, his video locations, yeah. anything. Because it's Nashville. Yeah. I, like, I, it's not, you don't get to be an auteur in Nashville. I think there's enough like leeway that he probably is just ignorant, but at the same time, it's not surprising that something like that would happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Uh, there is a lot of shit like that. It does make you long for the old type of country in like the forties and fifties where it was just about being a, a cowpoke working on a train, just being a, a down on his luck guy and not someone who's like, I'm a homeowner and I'll, I'm a homeowner and I'll kill fucking anybody right yeah. now. <laughs> My the best country song is "Home Home on the Range." That's right, the gun range. Yeah, because <laughs> my my home is the gun range. I'll shoot you, but uh, yeah, and it's interspersed with clips of Canadian protesters. Yeah, it's just like stock. Footage Not sure what the he, point of that grabbed. is. <laughs> like, I don't think again. I don't think it was very deliberate. Like, it just seems like it's a very rough concept, and they just slapped a bunch of bullshit together. And it worked as outrage bait, unfortunately. That's what's kind of annoying. Is like, I wish it didn't work, you know? Yeah, the more people get mad about this stuff, the better it does, because usually these worlds are kind of separate. The country world and the pop world and the rap world and everything else, the mainstream world, where if a song has something sort of racist or sort of sexist or sort of weird in it, it usually doesn't make it to the regular media. It doesn't make it to Twitter. Yeah. 
Uh, but in this case, it did. The last time I remember this happening to this extent was Accidental Racist. Remember Accidental Racist? Yeah, very vaguely. <laughs> that was like, I forget who that even was now. It was Oh, Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. And it was like, um, it was supposed to be like a compromise between black people and white people <laughs> saying like, Oh, if you, uh, if you forget about the iron chains, I'll forget about your gold chains or some shit like Ugh. that. If you don't judge my gold chains, I'll forget the iron chains. Jeez. It's, uh, like the, the gold chains are like, that's like the symbol of freedom, it's akin I guess. to slavery or something. Yeah, it's so weird, but I remember that one definitely crossed over and it was on Twitter and it had articles on all the websites and that definitely happened now. Which is kind of rare for a country song to get like Daily Beast articles and stuff and yeah. New York Times articles. And the uh, defense from him was that there was nothing about race in the song, which is true. Um, but the, the implication there, like the small town stuff, like where I grew up, the people doing the crimes are people who grew up there. Yeah, totally. It's white trash who grew up in the same place that I did. It's very rarely people from out of town. Like once in a while, it'll be a Puerto Rican guy, but it's almost always uh, white people who've lived here their whole lives. So the idea that like, well, in a small town, we don't stand for that shit. It's like, it is pretty heavily implying that it's like, it's outsiders. Yeah. It's, you know, it's those people. Because we don't do that. We don't commit crimes here. Yeah, he's certainly trying to imply that. With just like a, a hint of plausible deniability. Although there's no plausible deniability in this where we pulled up a 2015 Stereo Gum article where that year he dressed as Lil Wayne for Halloween and with full blackface and dreads and everything. So yeah, this is that photo still out there. This was 2015. Yeah, right? pretty recent. All things considered. He dressed as rapper Lil Wayne for Halloween. Yeah, he's got full-on blackface, he's got the fake dreads, he's got a bandana, he's got the sunglasses, he doesn't look like Lil Wayne. And his publicist like, confirmed it all without any kind of, like, contrition. Like, you would have no idea this was Lil Wayne. Oh, totally. It's like a generic, like, gangsta kind of thing, you know? Yeah, like, oh, you're a gangsta. And, like, to go to that level of uh, of putting on a costume and then you can't tell who it is, it's it's pretty clear that it's, like... You're just being a gangster. That's not Lil Wayne. Yeah. You came up with that later. And this girl he's with has like cornrows, but it's not clear that she's supposed to be anything specific, you know? Yeah. She's like a shit like that. Like a, a chola or something. And she's doing the <laughs> West Side thing. Yeah. Oh, God. I didn't even notice that. That's so She looks like Miley Cyrus, honestly. It's I so think it's crazy. probably Miley Cyrus. I tend to think of the cutoff of this stuff at like the era of like a 2004 Pimp and Ho frat party, you know? But this is yeah, over was, a decade after that. There was a video we found on the FYM stream years ago that was from the earliest days of YouTube, like 2006. Yeah. And uh, it was this guy we found because he did a cover song and he had this other video that was a slideshow or no, it was a slideshow over the cover song. And it was, uh, what was the song? A Snow Patrol. It was Snow Patrol. It was the perfect 2006 thing. <laughs> and the slideshow was this party at his house and it was like, washed out digital camera photos of warm beer and it's kind of nostalgic in like a weird way and then suddenly you see this guy in full blackface <laughs> wearing uh dreads and like i think it's like a bob marley costume <laughs> and no it's patrol, like just somberly plain yeah if i just lay here <laughs> and it's a guy oh man yeah that but it's yeah this it's was funny. like 10 years after that um 
I like in the past for uh, not even for Ewan, but just related to that. Sometimes me or Branson or someone will uh, Google like 2004 pimp and ho frat party. And you can find really funny things like the Asian student center would like to apologize for a pimp and ho party. It held as a fundraiser. <laughs> it's like 2004 was a wild time, you know? Yeah. Pimp and ho frat parties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's crazy that people hate frats. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there was a thing that happened when I was in college where uh, at, at the University of Vermont, where there was a frat on campus and I never really interacted with frats at all. Like I, I, I knew one guy I was in a, a class with who was in a frat who I talked to a little bit, but I, I never went to the frat houses or any parties or anything. But uh, there was this incident that happened where they were doing like a, uh, practice interviews or something for some sort of assignment where they had to ask each other questions or do a questionnaire on each other. And there was one guy that like, or I guess they were like filling them out for themselves. So they would just ask questions to themselves and answer them. And one of the guys wrote a question that was question, who would you rape? And, uh, the answer was Shakira. And apparently this was a gay man. Uh, but somehow like the email for that got found. I don't know how it happened, but that got leaked and it was like, I think the frat got suspended or expelled or it was this huge thing. And I remember hearing about it from like a guy that was in the frat about how it was kind of a misunderstanding and it's true, but also people have every right to just prejudge frats for doing shit like that. Yeah, of course. It's so insane. Like they're not, it's not like they have a clean record on this shit. Like you can't. You just can't fuck around. Also, it's just such a shitty, like, quote unquote joke, like having a gay guy say that. Like, it's not really a yeah, joke. Like, it still just sucks, you know? Yeah. Like, you have to defend that. Yeah. It's not worth it to have to defend that. You have to talk about that for, like, the rest of your life. Like, why'd you get expelled from college? Well, yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, Shakira? She did the song from the World Cup. Kids, cover your ears. You don't want to hear what I said yeah. next. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, people were mad at him. There was a great Roseanne tweet about it. <clears throat> all of the uh, all of the responses to this were, it was kind of retro in a way. It's uh, the thing where you criticize anything in a song, that, like a rock song or a country song or an electronic song or anything, and people say, well, what about rap? What about rap? They use that word in rap. They talk about violence in rap. They're sexist in rap. Like when someone says, like, someone in, someone in an emo band raped somebody. Like, well, what about rappers? Yeah. <laughs> but she says, Jason Aldean's next song should be about virtue signaling white women freaking out over a country song while blasting gangster rap in their luxury SUVs as they drop their kids off at schools where furry children shit in litter boxes. God, she's so just brain poisoned, man. Roseanne, like, I hadn't thought about her in years, but her Twitter's like a thousand times worse than I even expected. <laughs> Yeah, she's got nowhere to go now. She can't be on TV, but she's not really smart enough to be uh, cogent about this stuff. So it kind of comes off as her manically ranting, yeah, which is what it is. About children I guess shitting you can in get, litter boxes because she'll believe anything. She's enough of a celebrity and she can't get banned from Twitter that she can do podcasts with unknown people and yeah. like kind of be around no matter what. She but. just started a podcast where her guests include uh, James O'Keefe. And I think Ron White from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. So go check that wow, out. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard about. Yeah. Since about uh, the Pimp and Ho frat party era. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, James O'Keefe, like a guy who got Me Too'd out of his own organization. Like, uh, that's that's who you have to... You can only be with canceled people now. 
But uh, th- that was a quote tweet of Cheryl Crow. Yeah, Cheryl Crow. And it's was funny to say that about Cheryl Crow. Level headed. She, her, Cheryl Crow's thing to Jason Aldean was, "I'm from a small town. Even people in small towns are sick of violence. There's nothing small town or American about promoting violence. You should know better than anyone having survived a mass shooting." That's a very good uh, point. Very fair. Yeah, like Sandy Hook was a small town, and there are a lot of lib small towns, especially in New England. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jason Aldean should know that because this week he was in Hartford, Connecticut for oh, yeah. a show. <laughs> and apparently what happened was the the theories that I've heard was that he was out golfing because people saw him out golfing at golf courses all day. And well, what happened was he got, he supposedly got heat stroke and he walked off a show. But if we watch and the then footage. Canceled, like, he canceled like the next week of shows, but he doesn't look that hot. Yeah. And uh and he's so still people, like, singing people saw him golfing like, all day. Like uh if you watch the clip, he's singing like right up until the moment that he runs off stage. Yeah. It just seems a little and suspicious. The other theory, I saw someone on Twitter say my family went to this show and my sister took a picture with him right before this or like the day before or something and my whole family had the stomach flu and the way he <laughs> runs off stage, it really gives the impression that he had diarrhea. He had the squirts. That's what I was going to say. I don't know what the provenance of said diarrhea is, but it just seems like if you have dehydration and heat exhaustion, like then this you're was the next day he was saying, in a, I watched this like CNN clip where the next day he was like, it's not very serious and I'm feeling fine. I'm sorry. I canceled. So it wasn't like any yeah. kind of long-term thing. It's like the way he ran off, it was almost mid word. He just zoomed out of there. Like, I can't think of any feasible explanation besides diarrhea, you know? It has to be diarrhea. And you know what? It could happen to anyone on stage, I guess. But the funny thing is just trying to blame it on dehydration. Yeah, lying about it is funny. And it's kind of like, it's a worse, it's a a worse excuse to say heat stroke because he was in Hartford, Connecticut, which is, it wasn't that hot over that weekend. It was like 80, in the 80s, high 70s, which sucks, but I don't think that's really heat stroke weather. Unless you're like a landscaper or you're on a road crew yeah, or you're jogging and it's too late in the day. Uh, so that doesn't make sense, especially when you've been doing a tough guy routine and you're in a press cycle where you're the tough guy from a small town who doesn't take any shit and you're from Macon, Georgia, and then you go up to Connecticut and you have heat stroke and you have to cancel your shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty wild. I don't know why you would say that. Just say you had diarrhea. You should say, like, I went to a hometown barbecue and they didn't cook it enough. Yeah. (laughs) I went to a local barbecue. What he should have done is the naked gun thing by keeping his mic on him in the bathroom and just leave it running during the show. The the band keeps on playing. Well, he could do a meet and greet in the bathroom. If he's in the bathroom for the rest of the show, people could line up and you go in the bathroom (laughs) and get in the stall next to him and you say, hey, what's up, man? I love your work. Yeah, I love he, your uh, your song "Small Town" and and I'm from a small town and I I love being from a small town. You pass him an album under the under the door and he'll sign it for you. Yeah, can you sign this? And it comes back with poop on it. <laughs> yeah, Jason Aldean did the doo doo splatter prank to me. And then obviously there's the unstated thing that he was present for the biggest mass shooting in American history. So like no one can fix this shit. Like was it Dan Bilzerian that was like, "Give me your gun"? Oh, I don't know. I, I forget. I think it was Dan Bilzerian, the gambler guy. I think he was at that show and he was like asking a cop to give him his gun God. because he he thought he could like kill the shooter from the window or something. So stupid. But uh, Jason Aldean didn't even do that. He just, he went off stage. 
which yeah. is what that's what I would do, but I don't go around claiming to be a tough guy who like can single-handedly stop gun violence and criminals by just being tough and cool and from a small town. Yeah, there seems to be an objective record of him not being able to confront criminals, you know? Yeah, you did the same thing everybody else did. Yeah, it turns out that kind because of there were bullets everywhere. Go figure. It's like it's easier to say that when it's not happening. Yeah. But it's uh that guy Vivek who's running for the Republican nomination for yeah. 2024. He brought up cop killer. So which funny, is man. Such it's like a 30-year-old reference. Come on. Like how old even is to bring is that up guy? Sister Soldier. Yeah, they got to bring her back. He's 37. What? Oh no, I didn't know he was that. That's insane. He's referencing shit that happened when he was barely born. God damn, that's ridiculous. And he's always been in America. Yeah. He was born here. He's always lived here, but he, he's from a small town. I guess he's from a small town, Cincinnati. It's a small His family town. are Brahmins. Well, that's nice. I wish my family were bar- Brahmins, Boston or the regular kind. <laughs> but that's, that's so insane to be referencing that shit. Like, is he just spending too much time with think tank guys? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't even know where you pick up that cultural reference. Like who's saying, maybe he's hanging out with Dinesh D'Souza. And he picked it up from him. It's such old shit. And there's way more violent rap now, which some people talked about, like Matt Walsh, who is kind of a good uh, bellwether for where like the modern conservative thing is going. Yeah. Like he knows enough to reference current shit. He was talking about King Von. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't know who King Von is, though. I'm sure he just saw a headline that he died and he's like, well, see, there's no way he's listened to a second of his music. No, no way. But he at least realizes that there's way more violent guys and violent rap yeah, that you could reference than there now. was in 1990. Yeah, like, totally. there are guys who actually have a body count. Maybe though, maybe it's a, a deliberate calculation that the only people who are going to be scared by that are boomers, and the only songs boomers remember are rap songs from 30 years ago. That might be it. Yeah, I, I think if you if you show a 75 year old person a King Von song and they try to listen to it. Or even Burn a Boy featuring 21 Savage, they just hear static. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like adults talking and Charlie Brown. It's just like it doesn't compute. Okay, also getting back to Cincinnati uh, and uh, Vivek being from there, it's a population uh, 300,000. So if Macon, Georgia is a small town at 150, I think Cincinnati, that's a small town too. Yeah, anything other than New York, LA, and Chicago. Yeah, maybe Houston too. It's a big city. Miami has to count because Jason Aldean spent summers with his father in Miami. Yeah, that's a small town. That's a small town. People have simple values down there, like getting lost on their jet ski on Instagram. The small town thing in, yeah, that's right. The small town thing in country music is especially weird because more than any genre, it's located in one city. It's a very urbanized genre of music if you're just talking about like where the where it's produced, where the people are from, where they live, where the labels are. Yeah. It's in Nashville. And there's no other genre like that really. I mean, that's like similar to Fox News being based out of Manhattan, though. You know what I mean? Like it's all just such a yeah. transparently well, bullshit yeah. attitude. Yeah, obviously it's bullshit. But like well, fuck it like Fox News and CNN are both similarly placed. Well, CNN's in uh, Atlanta though. Oh yeah, that's right. They're basically from I mean, a small have, town. They have a building in uh, Manhattan also, but Atlanta's like their headquarters. Yeah, small town, Atlanta. But the music, it, it's so centered in that one city, and uh, there aren't like there aren't as many regional labels as there would be in other genres. It's not yeah. as popular in other countries. It's like, but then all the people are from a small town. How are you all from a small town? 
Well, it's like we heard about last week with Luke Combs and everything. Uh, the thing about country is it's so authentic that people could tell. So you got to come from the small town, then go to Nashville to strike it big. People are going to tell right away. If you're from Macon, Georgia, you're never going to succeed. That's too big of a town. Do you think it hurts Luke Combs that he was on Obama's playlist? <laughs> I think he's probably so big at this point that it just doesn't matter either way. Yeah, I'm not sure what track he's on. Yeah, I haven't fully understood that yet, what's going on there. Yeah, like, either. I'm not sure if he's like a, a, a lib or he's apolitical or it's like alt country or something because it doesn't seem to have any culture war angle at all. Yeah. It's just a straight ahead cover of Fast Car. And then it's on Obama's playlist, which is kind of a tip off for anything that it's very safe and mainstream. Yeah, that's true. It's like acceptable middle brow taste that you can talk about if you're a, a college educated urbanite. Who was the guy who wasn't allowed on SNL? They gave him like a slap on the wrist for something. Is that him or was uh, that a different guy? I just don't care. <laughs> Luke Combs? Yeah. Uh, not that the, I know of. It, like, I just don't remember. It was one of those guys. They banned all country music on SNL. Yeah, unless they do it in drag. Well, it looks like Luke Combs did perform on SNL, so I must be thinking of some other guy who I don't know the difference between. Elvis Costello. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like those shenanigans, sir, where you say you're going to play your single and then you play a different song that's also not particularly scathing or political. Like, I guess a little bit. The song they wanted him to play sucks. Yeah. Radio Radio is maybe his best song. Yeah, totally. It's a great song. The latest Roseanne tweet is great. Before we get off Roseanne, I'm going to try to read it in her voice. I'm going to dress up in man drag and tell Bible stories to school kids. Damn, that'd be so crazy man if you dressed drag. up like a man. Everyone would be so mad. Thinking about how little pants. sense that makes. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it means wearing jeans and a t-shirt and then doing, like, being a youth pastor. Yeah. She's going to dress like I think like you Hillary can do Clinton. that. You can totally do that. There are plenty of churches where there are women who are wearing like a slacks and a blouse and not a dress. Yeah. That's most churches. Like the Sunday school teacher is usually, she's not always wearing a sundress, she, and, but she she's not thinking about that because no. she's Roseanne Bard out. She both has brain worms and her brain has melted. There's just like a pile of goo with worms in it, you know? Oh, then her second to last tweet is... A screenshot of an error message on Twitter where it says, check back later. Unfortunately, you don't meet our eligibility. I can't click on the whole thing because she has me blocked. I've seen it. It's um, the only reason she's not eligible for monetization is that she's not over 18. And she's just being like a dickhead about it. But it's like, you clearly just didn't enter your birthday. Like, just add your birthday. I think that's what it wants Yeah, I think that's what it was. She doesn't know how to use the internet, so she thinks she's being, like, victimized. It needs to confirm it, and she expected Elon Musk to go out of his way to... Like enter her bio from Wikipedia yeah. into her account from the back end of Twitter to make sure that it worked for her. I wonder how much and she of doesn't a, even really do good enough metrics to get paid, which yeah. is it's a fake thing anyway. Yeah, it's just he just selected a dozen dick suckers and that and are stuff, always yeah. around him that are like constantly sucking him off in his replies, and then gave them a sum of money. Yeah, and he didn't do it to Cat Turd, which is funny because Cat Turd insulted him. But it's not a real thing you can sign up for. There aren't random people that are going to get that. It's just, it's a fake thing. It's like MLM where they, they have one person who says, oh, I got a Porsche because I made a uh, million dollars and it's just some actor they hired. Her, her uh, post makes me think how much of like the kind of boomer victim mentality, like I'm a victim of cancel culture type of thing. How much of it is due to just not understanding how the computer works? 
Like, there's got to be so many of like 70-year-olds who can't remember their password on Twitter or Facebook, and they're like, oh, they're locking me out because of my beliefs, you know? Yeah, so many people have 10 different Facebook accounts when you look them up. Yeah. Like, you look at one of their friends, and they're friends with the same person 10 times. Steve Wood 1, Steve Wood 2, Steve Wood 3. Yeah. But she says, uh, I guess 70 years old is not quite 18. Must be that new math they are teaching at public schools when not letting drag queens twerk teach spelling. Yep, that's happening all the time. The people who work at Twitter are like our age or older. They're not like she thinks that the people programming Twitter are in school now. They're in remedial math right now. Yeah, they're using the litter box as their, their drag teacher twerks. In math, even class. from what they say, this is stuff that originated like eight years ago yeah. in schools. <laughs> so, like anyone who went to school with this shit is like not old enough to be working for a tech company, really. But it doesn't have to make sense. Who cares? Man, Ron White looks old. Yep, just like Obama. He really does look old. Yeah, Obama looks significantly older than he did like two years ago or something. You know who doesn't look old at all is huh. Smokey Robinson. Oh yeah. He had a great long-form interview he did with uh, Pitchfork this week. it's kind of funny. It's like the series they do called um, Over Under, where usually it's like these very short, snappy things, and the whole video is like three minutes long. But for him, I think deliberately with him in particular, they were just like, let's just let him go. So it's just like almost 15 minutes of him just like saying stuff. And it's it's very genuinely endearing, and he seems like a very sweet guy. Yeah, he rocks, and he looks uh, he looks like he's forty years old. Yeah, and he's like over but eighty. He sounds a lot like us in this. Totally. The name of the article is "Smokey Robinson Rates Children's Music Retirement and Gasms." Gasms is the name of his new album, and there's a title track called "Gasms." I love the way he and discusses it's, it's the meaning good. of that. I love when someone tries to like take a word that already exists and make it mean their own thing, and he does that in such a fun way here. Where he's just like, yeah. you know, he's like, yeah, I named it that on purpose. It's like controversial, you know, he's like, and, you know, realize there are many, many, many gasms. Gasms is defined as anything that makes you feel good. Christmas could be a gasm, you know, people could be a gasm. Something that someone says to you could be a gasm or a gasm could be a gasm. I really don't think that a gasm could be underrated. <laughs> and just like laughing at himself. kind of A Christmas gasm. I haven't heard that one before. That'd be a good song title right there. You should have done it. Dude, that. you gave me a gift gasm. This is such a good gift. Yeah. I have a nostalgia gasm right now, dude. But uh, yeah, that's, it's pretty good. It's kind of generic R&B, slow R&B, but the fact that he's like 87 years old and yeah, he's still this horny. To, you don't, you you're not hand expected to, to do anything uh, groundbreaking at that age. So. And he talks about weed. He talks about how he loves weed and uh, legal weed. Yeah, it's really fun. And uh, he says, like, why is alcohol legal and weed isn't legal? And then they start asking him about nursery rhymes for some reason. They ask him if nursery rhymes are overrated or not. Yeah, they should be asking this to every artist because I really want to know everyone's thoughts on it, you know? I think about back in the day, the old nursery rhymes, they were all negative when you think about them. Rockabye baby on the treetops. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby cradle and all. How pleasant is that for a child to think about that? Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together. So Humpty is destroyed. How pleasant is that? You know what I'm saying? Jack and Jill went up there. He's reading so many of these. <laughs> so much of the interview is like reading rock, They just let him go at length instead of like cutting it up to sound bites, you know? Yeah, he's so awesome. 
I don't, uh, I don't know how people got away with calling those nursery rhymes because they're morbid. I think that uh, I would push back a little to say that Rockabye Baby is actually the first rock and roll song. Yeah, it was originally called Rock and Roll Baby. Yeah. And it's also a, it's a, a teaching thing for kids to teach them not to rock too much in their cradle because what if it's on a treetop? Exactly. If I was in that you situation, I would think back to that song and I would know what to do, which is stand stock still. In Humpty Dumpty, it teaches you not to sit on a wall. The crazy thing about Humpty Dumpty is that he's not even an egg. He's just a guy named Humpty Dumpty. He's a man. There's nothing in that that says he's an egg. That's something I wish uh, Smokey Robinson had gotten into here. Yeah, we need to have him on this show. A lot of people show don't realize that. And kind of uh, lift the veil off his eyes, you know? He tells a but story. But he seems like one of the... The first time he ever uh, smoked was on Christmas Day, and he had so much fun being high on Christmas. That must have been a gasm. That's why there's Christmas gasms, you know? Yeah, that was a Christmas gasm and a weed gasm. Yeah. Multiple gasms from that. He also talks about playing shows in the South when he was younger. And he's like, yeah, people pull a gun on you if you go to the bathroom, just like being black at this venue, you know? <laughs> it's like people like Jason Aldean who want to go back to that, you know? Yeah, that's an anti-gasm. That's right. People didn't want him to have gasms. Like the Sonic Youth song, Anti-Orgasm. That's what they are talking about was Smokey Robinson having a gun pulled on him. Oh, there was an interesting thing that happened with the band Anti-Flag that I just saw today on Pitchfork. Yeah. Where... They broke up suddenly without explanation. I was like, what? Because I remember them being around. They're such an embarrassing band, but they're kind of funny that they exist. They're like a, a parody of a Rock Against Bush pop punk band. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're if Green Day did American Idiot. Every time. When they started out. Yeah. Yeah. They did it every time. And they were like, they had like no conception of irony or any of it being ridiculous like fuck the system man fuck the flag do you think they were mad fuck when green authority. day did um american idiot like they're stealing our thing man they're not as sophisticated and smart as we are they probably were but they were um i guess at this point they're releasing their own stuff they had a patreon yeah with like 200 subs like it is always funny looking yeah. at bands like this and seeing like oh they have like 200 subs like okay yeah, not that good. Yeah. <laughs> they were on RCA, but they announced that they've disbanded. The Patreon has been switched into a mode where it will no longer charge the monthly fee. I will begin to process refunds to all patrons in the coming weeks. And the patron Patreon page will also be removed. And they deleted their website and their social media pages, which is also kind of crazy. Yeah, it's obviously... And we'll, we'll get into it, but it's obviously very serious. And you could tell it all happened instantly because just a couple days ago, or like, I guess two weeks ago, they posted uh, their podcast on the road with Anti-Flag part one. Like they were in the middle of a tour. They were doing a podcast series about the tour and all of it just got canceled instantaneously. It's funny. That yeah, it's crazy. The Pitchfork article about it doesn't even surmise or like try to surmise why, but the Stereo Gum one gets at what's almost certainly up here is that a woman went on a podcast uh, without saying the name of the band or the specific person uh, accused the lead singer of rape in a very sort of like specific and detailed harrowing story. And it just seems like it has to be them. If the rest of the band just instantly called it quits like that second. Yeah. I think that maybe that speaks well to the band that everyone else in the band was appalled by it. And they're like, all right, we're done. You know? Yeah, but that has to, to be insane. Speaking. Yeah, can you imagine? Like the worst version of that like, is the Lost Prophets guy. Like the guys who were the rest of the guys in Lost Prophets. Yeah. Like, God damn, that, that sucks. That sucks so much. Of like, that sucks so bad. Yeah, I do feel bad for people who someone else fucks up your life with their bullshit. 
Yeah, but it's crazy to react to it this way. Like, I don't know if they were getting blackmailed or something, but it they didn't give their name. They just said it was a political punk band. Uh, and that could have been different bands. It wasn't necessarily them. But then, like, a day later, they delete all of their shit. They scrub it all off. They delete their Patreon, which is already, like, that stuff isn't supposed to happen if a band just breaks up amicably. Yeah, for sure. You're supposed to leave up your pages. You leave up your social media, even, like, your old tweets, your old Facebook stuff, just in case people want to go back and look at yeah, it. Yeah, and presumably you leave a statement that's longer than one sentence saying your credit card will be refunded. Yeah, like, these are guys, I think, in their 50s. Yeah, at least. And this is a band that's 50s. been together since, like, the late 90s. And then they just suddenly say, like, we're done. In the middle of a tour. We're done. Bye-bye. Like, I don't. I don't get why you wouldn't just make a statement. I mean, because you have to just, how are people not going to figure like, obviously their fans are going to be like, what, what happened? Like, it didn't seem like it was a long time coming. It didn't seem like they were, there weren't like members leaving or anything like that. So obviously they're going to look into it. It's just, maybe there's some turmoil between him and the rest of them of, you know, you never know what's going on where maybe they're just not on the same page about how to do it. So they just went ahead and did that. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out over time, but yeah. Or maybe they don't want to, they don't want it to be associated with them in any way. Like they want him to acknowledge it on his own. Yeah. And not as the band. Yeah. And to be fair, like, either like, way, I don't know if it's, it's like the band's you do. job to have to deal with, but maybe the, you know, yeah, again, just like, give them time. This just happened. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe they will. Who knows? But uh, uh, RIP to anti flag, I guess. Yeah. I'm always interested in the economics of a band like that. Cause it's just interesting to it. They never, I think they've just been a band for like 30 plus years straight, but also they only have like 200 patrons and stuff where I wonder like they can't be making that much money in the first place, you know? Also they're so, yeah, anti, I don't, they're anti government. They're anti the man. You know what? They don't need money too. So I, I got to give them credit for that. They have the stupidest names of all time too. Their names are just insane. And Pat, Pat Thetic. God. <laughs> And there was wait a minute. There was a guy named Andy Flag. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. I respect 1993 that. 1993 to 1996. Maybe they kicked him out because he stole the name. <laughs> Chris Head. I don't know if that's his name or if it's like a, a pun on getting head. I don't know. I'm gonna assume that it, the, his name is not actually Chris Head because it's funnier. It's it's also funny when there there's only one guy with a name like that. Yeah, like, like in right pavement. now. I guess there's yeah it's the only people that are in there with uh with fake names are just insane and pathetic. Is think, there a guy like that in Pavement? Yeah, uh, Spiral Stairs is the guitarist, and then everyone else is just like Stephen Malkmus and shit. I've always loved that. It's really bold to be in like a very like slackerish, straightforward band that dresses very normally, and there's one guy with an insane name. Like you got to hand it to him, you know? Yeah, those other guys should have changed their name. They should have come up with better names. I don't think uh, when Dave, not Dave Portnoy, Mike Portnoy was in Dream Theater or not. Oh, no, it's Avenged Sevenfold. He's from Dream Theater. And then he, he replaced the drummer in Avenged Sevenfold and he didn't change his name. Their names were all still Zacky Vengeance and yeah. Sinister Gates. <laughs> and he's just a normal And guy. he's just Mike. It reminds me when we were he's talking about Mike. that guy, John He should have changed his name to something. Ago. Such insane. That's a, John Five sounds like uh, his AIM screen name when he was 11 and he just stuck with it forever. Yeah, John one through four were taken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At some point, you have to change your name to something. I think. I think what I said was he should change his name to John Mellencamp. Yeah, <laughs> something that's easily confused. Damn, the, looking at the list of anti-flag albums: Die for the Government, Underground Damn. Network, 
the terror state, for blood and emperor, for blood and empire, the people or the gun, the general strike, American spring, American fall. Oh, that was after Trump. <laughs> American spring was 2015. And then American fall was 2017. That's amazing. That's like a fucking, uh, the Weezer EPs. Yeah, but it's like the temperature of the country. Yeah, it's so funny. Their newest one was Lies They Tell Our Children. It's, these God. guys need to grow up. This is ridiculous. Uh, just thinking of Weezer here, maybe I'll close out with this. I wasn't going to mention this because it's a very small tidbit, but there was an article in the last week. Uh, I don't even remember what website now, but uh, Rivers kind of answered a bunch of questions about, uh, you know, like he, you got to hand it to him that he always like sticks by his guns where he very genuinely, they're like, what's your favorite Weezer album? And he's like, well, the latest thing I finished is always my favorite. So he's like, I really think the season's EPs are the best. And he he 100% means it because he also doubles down in there saying like Beverly Hills is a 100% serious song. There's 0% irony in that song. But it, it was an interesting interview, A, because he's like so steadfast by that stuff that that's just like who he is. And it's like, well, at least he's himself. And then the other interesting thing was uh, that he was really straightforwardly talking about his gear and just being like the whole like Weezer sound is owed to Rick Ocasek on the Blue Album telling him to use a Les Paul Jr. in the studio instead of his other guitars. And he's like, is that, that was, what it was? Yeah. He's like, that was like a, a life changing thing for me. He's like, to this day, I still use the Les Paul Jr. on every studio album, which is funny. Cause like live, he plays a Strat so often, but he was like, yeah, I it's thought just that was a, a Strat on the blue album. No, he said it's the Les Paul Jr. And the reason he did is that it has a thinner sound like uh counterintuitively where he used to play live before recording the blue album. He would try to play like really muddy and like low endy. Cause he just felt like it was bigger. But uh, Rick Ocasek was like, no, you need a thinner, higher sound. Let the bass fill it out. And trust me, it'll sound bigger, you know? So that part's yeah. genuinely interesting. Well, you can also just do that with EQ. For sure. But I think that the it's... The model of the guitar, I don't know. I think that, I guess it, especially it works. Especially in the 90s, like, you want, like, you're probably using like a rack mount EQ where it's like, you don't want to fix... And actually, it's still a good practice today to not have to fix it later. You want to get it right on the front end if you can, you know? Yeah, you don't want a lot of mud in the guitar sound. Yeah, there's no point in EQing it out on purpose when you can get rid of it sooner, you know? Yeah, I remember it as them changing from the humbucker to no, from the neck to the humbucker pickups on the blue album. It may Rico be that he didn't mention that, that specifically, but I could believe that. Yeah, and it is a good guitar sound, especially oh, for absolutely. the time. It's all timer, you know. But it's also kind of become more processed and and uh, bland over time. Yeah, Weezer actually uses Weezer amp albums. sims now live. They don't use real cabs or they don't use real amp heads anymore. Yeah, it sounds very artificial. Which is fine, but it's like, you don't get too much credit for a guitar sound if it's just a rack mount thing. Yeah. And it's also super processed and mastered and everything. We're certainly on the era where we're hitting the precipice of that stuff sounding a lot better. It is certainly better than it was like three, four years ago, even. It'll yeah, amp sims are as good as amps or better. Yeah, yeah, we're like getting there. They have, they just have different sets of advantages now too, but that's a different conversation anyway. But that's a, that's a thing where amp sims are so reliable now that you don't really have, you can play any guitar into anything. Yeah, totally. Like you don't have to have a Les Paul instead of a Strat. You can just, there's so many parameters you can change I mean, to change a, the sound. A difference. Yeah. I guess I see what you're saying of you it's could a, change a little it later. Bit of, it depends yeah. on what the scene is, what the, uh the sound is yeah i think if it's like super distorted and, and fuzzed out and stuff like i don't know how much you're gonna hear that if it's a clean yeah, sound agreed. you can definitely tell the difference between a, a les paul and a strap yeah 
And it's like we were saying with Weezer, it's like you'd rather just fix it on the front end if you can, but in the box you can manipulate it in ways you never could back then. So, And we've manipulated those Weezer songs. Yeah. We need to do to another one of better. those soon. Yeah, I need to get some more stems. Get back in the lab for that. Get back in the stew. On that note, we're going back to the stew right now. Yeah, we got out of this one stew. and into the other one. We both have diarrhea. We gotta. We both are having Studio dehydration B. suddenly. We got to get out of here. Yeah, I got instantly. heat stroke. Yeah, I got low temperature heat stroke. I got there's a there's bulb heat. There's bulb heat in the immediate vicinity of me. <laughs> <laughs>